Welcome to the Compliance 911 Show, a no-nonsense podcast discussing hot topics for today's busy compliance professional. It's everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. And now, here are your hosts, Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting and Len Suzio of Geodata Vision. Welcome to our podcast series addressing everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but were afraid to ask. I'm Len Suzio with Geodata Vision. I'm joined by Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting, and I'm going to be talking to Dean about fair lending. Dean, I see we are going to be talking about fair lending today, and I know you have covered much about fair lending from data analysis, REMAs, appraisal bias, and other technical provisions. So what part of fair lending are you going to address for our audience today? Hi, Len, and it's always a pleasure to see you. And uh, uh, here we are again. Uh, and and yes, we've talked about a myriad of topics uh, uh, that fall under the, the heading of fair lending. Um, and as you know, uh, from our collaboration on many different uh, projects, that fair lending is a major hot topic. And we've recently uh, seen some examiner comments that I thought would be useful for our audience. Well, this ought to be interesting. I think it's a great idea. Now, I know we do our best to be proactive in helping our audience with certain tough topics, but to have specific examples of issues from regulators is really, I think, extremely valuable. So let's jump in. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I, I, let's do it. Let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, uh, the way I'm trying to do it. I guess is the way to put it, Len. Is is I, I'm trying to paint it in a scenario. So provide us a, a scenario that that uh, you know gives that picture of of the internal breakdown and how that occurred. Okay, well, I think that's a great idea, and it certainly is an interesting approach. And I'm certain the audience will find it more beneficial to tie the examiner's comments to a specific scenario. So let's jump into it, Dean. Let's go yeah. ahead. Okay, great. So, so let's uh, let's assume that you're the compliance officer or or fair lending officer in the second line of defense in a community bank. You have concerns about fair lending risk, so you decide to conduct a a monitoring review of residential mortgages for evidence of disparate treatment, and you know more or less looking for redlining. Uh, you obtain a list of loans, both originated and non-originated over the past year. So those that are Humda reportable uh, or not, um, the listing is in addition to the exceptions log that you would typically get, your rate sheets, any policies, procedures, um, which would include your underwriting, your decisions, your exceptions. You painstakingly review these loans. Uh, taking care to create a logical and reasonable sampling by identifying a control group and a target group. Now it's time to actually review uh, those characteristics of the loan, such as the terms the borrower received. Obviously, there are a multitude of, of characteristics that we look at, um, but we would start there by looking at the terms, obviously, that they received. It doesn't take long before you identify a series of portfolio loans uh, where the borrowers appear to have received more favorable terms in form of a better rate. And, and, and as you know, Len, we see this often. Um, in a rapidly increasing rate environment, you take extreme care to match originations and would expect to see some exceptions. However, as we dig deeper, 
uh, we find that uh, each of the rate exceptions all were white men applying alone. Not that I'm picking on white men, but <laughs> um, but that that's a kind of a common thread that we see with respect to fair lending. So the first move is to review the exceptions log. And in this particular case, um, I, I'm relieved to find out that in each of the cases, the exceptions were in fact on the log. However, the exceptions log merely indicated that uh, quote, more favorable rate for Mr. Sense, uh, uh, given the lengthy history with the bank. And of course, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm using uh, Sense as the last name. The exceptions on the log are consistent all the way down through. Each one of them indicates it's more, more favorable rate given lengthy history with the bank. So basically the same information with the same name just substituted. The good news is, is that they're logged, but unfortunately, the log didn't include any attributes of the borrower that would point to a prohibited basis. In other words, one couldn't tell from looking at the exception log that every one of these exceptions went to white men applying alone. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch, boy. That sounds like an issue to me, based on my experience. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And, and you know, it, and it gets worse uh, from, from here. So... Uh, the officer proceeded to review the loan exception risk committee minutes only to learn that these exceptions never were uh, submitted to the loan committee for approval, which is required by bank policy. And it merely indicated that the senior vice president of residential lending would address with the committee. You then proceed to discuss the numerous rate exceptions and the descriptions with the senior vice president of retail lending and ask how the lower rate came to be and why the exceptions log included the same approval descriptions right on down through with many of those exceptions. The senior vice president explained, these are great customers of the bank and each borrower who received a lower rate deserved it given the history uh, with us. After the explanation, you pause for a moment, then you ask the following questions to the senior vice president. Over the last year, at any time, did a woman borrow or receive more favorable rate because of her relationship to the bank? <laughs> That's the first question. The next, uh, over the last year, at any time, did a minority borrower receive a more favorable rate because of his or her relationship to the bank? The response, I couldn't possibly remember something like that. Oh, of course, that's a typical <laughs> response. Our policy allows for these types of rate discretions as a courtesy to the borrower and all exception logs go to the loan risk committee for approval. Obviously, you can see we're walking down that rabbit hole of lack of doc mm -hmm. documentation. So you then call attention to the fact that the log never made it to the risk committee in all of the attributes that could be talking about the uh, applicant or borrower uh, characteristics were the same without any further explanation. In addition, the bank's fair lending risk assessment reflects an assessment area that's just outside of a major metropolitan city with several majority minority tracks. Yet, no rate exceptions were evident within the same period as those identified exceptions for those minority borrowers. <laughs> uh, ouch, double ouch, and wow. <laughs> this bank would appear to have some major issues, Dean. Oh, I agree. I agree. And this is more of a, an egregious case or scenario. Uh, but, you know, illustrating it, 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 it's certainly illustrating a common issue and highlights what examiners recent, have recently noted in examinations. So let me just take what they've noted kind of bullet by bullet. Um, exceptions should be appropriately documented within files. I mean, it sounds like a no brainer, but boy, mm -hmm. these are the types of things we find all the time. And when we do data analysis, as you know, 
we're identifying red flags. We're not necessarily identifying a, a, uh, an exception or a problem. We're identifying a red flag that could become a problem. So um, management should have tracked or had a tracking mechanism in place for those exceptions and to make sure that they were appropriately reported. Um, the exec- exception log that they had should include prohibited basis information as well as the compensating factors to justify the exception. No one said you couldn't make an exception, but by golly, you've got to, you, you, you certainly have to uh, justify that exception um, and, and make sure that that's in writing and the support is included within the file. Um, the exception log reports should be reviewed periodically by management to ensure that exceptions are granted in a consistent manner and management has the ability to identify associated fair lending risk. One of the things I always say, Len, is anytime you have a series of exceptions, you better go back and revisit your policy. Perhaps you may want to make a policy adjustment as opposed to having all of these exceptions. So, mm-hmm. um, and, then, and then the last bullet point, obviously, pricing exceptions should be reported to the board or an appropriate committee, and it should be documented in committee minutes, uh, the discussion that you had relative to that particular exception. Um, so, again, those bullet points are kind of no brainers, in my opinion, but these are the types of things that regulators uh, identify from time to time. And we've recently seen them pop up in examinations once again. Well, you know, Dean, uh, I just noticed in, in all the recent settlements regarding redlining, for example, with the Department of Justice, a common thread has been either a lack of a system to monitor uh, fair lending risk or one that was there, but no one followed it, basically. (laughs) So having a system in place, but no one adhering to it is worthless too. This is really great stuff, Dean, and I'm certain our audience will find it helpful. Uh, Do you have any parting comments before we conclude today's session? Yeah, I, I just wanted to caution folks on the quality of fair lending risk assessments. I know everything we pretty much touched today, we talk about risk assessments. And and, you know, I think we're, we're, we're creating risk assessments because we have to, but without putting some good forethought into it. And it must co- include sufficient qualitative and quantitative detail as to the overall risk profile of the institution as it relates to this particular area. If residential lending makes up a bulk of a bank's portfolio, the assessment should quantify that and monitoring should be focused or designed on those higher risk areas. If the bank is heavy in indirect lending, it again should be quantified and monitoring should be focused around the risk to the bank. So it's imperative that they uh, put enough, uh, again, qualitative and quantitative information within that risk assessment because the risk assessment is designed to hand to the examiner to say, here is the level of risk we perceive to have in our institution. And here are some mitigating controls uh, relative to those risks. And so um, that, I guess that's what I would say would be my, my uh, parting words uh, uh, today as it relates to uh, this fair lending topic. Well, Dean, it's not only a great topic, it's a timely topic. As we can see, there's more and more redlining uh, referrals to the Department of Justice. So. I hope our audience does appreciate the suggestions you had. This is Len Suzio from GeoDataVision. And this is Dean Stockford from M&M Consulting saying thank you for listening to today's topic. And please let us know of any additional topics you would like to hear. Thanks for listening to the Compliance 911 Show. 
If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, please give us a like and review to help others find the show. As always, links are in the show notes and you can always find us online at compliance911show.com. Follow M&M Consulting and Geo Data Vision on LinkedIn for all the latest news and information on compliance hot topics.